You're listening to the Dating Diaries podcast with your host, Gemma Joel. Hello, darlings, and welcome back to season two. It's finally here, and I'm absolutely buzzing to share these episodes with you. Prepare yourselves for some juicy conversations in this season because some of the content is pretty X rated, especially this episode I'm sharing with you today. I had the pleasure of being joined in this episode by sex expert Dr. Tara, where we delve deep into the world of sex and how to spice up your own sex life. Dr. Tara is a tenured professor, sex and relationships coach, TEDx speaker, and has been featured in many publications, including Cosmopolitan and Women's Health. So it's safe to say that she is very well versed in the realms of sexual relationships. If you are looking, for any sort of way to improve your sex life and you're listening to this right now then this episode is for you. So without further ado I give you today's episode and I hope you enjoy it. Hello Dr Tara and welcome to the Dating Diaries podcast. How are you today? Orgasmic. Orgasmic. (laughs) Thank you for having me Gemma. How are you? I am all the better for seeing you and what an entrance. That is a great word to start the podcast on. (laughs) Very, very happy days. I am very excited to have you here and talk all about sex, which is one of my favorite topics in the whole world. And as I was saying to you off camera, I have been following your content for a while on Instagram and I love how open you are about sex. It makes me feel very empowered. And the whole reason that I wanted to do this episode is to make my listeners feel the same way because I feel like sex is still a very taboo subject and people often feel quite awkward talking about it and especially talking about it at length. Um, uh-huh. Excuse the pun. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think that it will be a very enlightening conversation to have and to find out about your experience. So. I think to get us started, I would love to know a little bit more about you, um, your experience in this field, and how you became a sex expert. Ooh, thank you. So uh, a little bit about my story. I am originally from Thailand, so I was born and raised in Bangkok, Thailand. A lot of Brits love going there for their holiday, <laughs> and um, being someone. I mean, growing up in Thailand and being surrounded by very sexually conservative, uh, I would say repressive Mm -hmm. values, I grew up having a lot of guilt and shame regarding my sexuality, being a woman and being a sexually curious woman. I remember, I mean, you know, I was a horny little kid. I remember (laughs) being... 12 or 11 and using like a bidet and I'm like oh this feels good and uh, just being someone who a, a girl who was sexually curious was a tough time because I'm bombarded by the idea that like a good girl is not sexual mm. right so uh, even though even though the media try to portray Thailand as like a sex tourism destination uh, anyone who was born and raised in Thailand knows that Thai actual Thai culture is very very sexually conservative and repressive Interesting. Uh, so growing up there uh, my perspective was I'm, I'm ashamed that I'm very sexually curious and assertive then I moved to America for school 
And I came to Los Angeles first. And Los Angeles was very different, right? I mean, Los Angeles is different. I'm here now. And my friend took me to like a big sex toy shop. I mean, in this store, there's everything, you know, there's your standard like dildos, mm-hmm. I mean, lots of sizes uh, <laughs> and vibrators. And I mean, you have you have some of really great ones uh, in England, too. I open. bet that was a lot to take in as well, going from like the environment that you were in to this, like walking straight into the sex shop. I bet that was Girl, a lot. madness. That was a lot. But in a way, like I felt it was it felt right for me. Mm. You know, because I was a sexually curious kid. And then as I entered graduate school and my like mid-20s, I had a lot of failed relationships. I figured I'm probably the common denominator. So in graduate school, I studied relationships. Mm. So I studied relationships, interaction within relationships, conflict style, things like that. And as I progressed in my graduate school and I graduated my P with my PhD became a professor at a university here. I realized the more I study relationships, that sex is one of the top issues that couples have short term, long term, uh, have sex issues. So I figured I want to contribute to a topic that is su- such a challenging thing for a lot of people mm. and be a part of the solution finding ways to help all of us become more sexually empowered, communicative, understanding, uh, perhaps naughty, kinky, and just Mm -hmm. have a fulfilling sex life. You know, personally, I had not amazing sex life in my 20s. So as a personal goal, ever since I, you know, started studying solely just sex and sexual wellness, my personal goal is no mediocre sex. I like that. Yeah, no mediocre sex. So ever since then, I tried everything. There are many tried and true methods for myself Mm. that is based on empirical research. And I tried everything. So now in my current relationship, we have an amazing sex life. Like, no joke. It is the best sex life I've ever had. We have an amazing sexual connection that I have never had in my whole life. So now I completely understand what it's like to have shitty sexual relationships Mm. and fulfilling sexual relationship. What do you think has made you go from having mediocre sex to having this like insane spark with someone where you can have that sexual relationship where you're excited? Like where do you even begin to, to kind of change that? I love this question. I typically say sex is 70% you, 30% your partner. Although we are in a culture where we like to blame the partner when the sex wasn't good. But you know what? A lot of times, like you're the other part of the puzzle. Yeah, it takes two to tango, right? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I would say good sex for you is 70% you. So where would you start is, I would say, number one, travel inward learn about yourself. Like, do you, if I ask you right now to list out five things that you love about sex, like, can you do that? Right? Five um, things. Are you, we can make yeah. this a, we can make this a little coaching session and a yeah, little like mock coaching session. Yeah. Let's talk about stuff that you really like. What are some of your sexual preferences? What are 
five sexual things that are really a turn on, that are a positive feeling, that are exciting for you? Number one, I absolutely love kissing. Nothing yes. gets me in the mood more than a good kiss. And that for me is always make or break. If I kiss someone and I'm not feeling it, then I'm like, oh, I feel like it's a telltale sign to say if we're not going to have good kisses, we're probably not going to have good sex. And I mean, I don't really think I've ever been wrong in that instance. But yeah, sex, like kissing to begin with the kind of intimacy, that's a huge thing for me. Um, secondly, oh my God, you're really going to make me think now. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like physical touch in the sense of not like actually touching, you know, my boobs or whatever, but actually just physically touching me, like any part of my body, um, like I find like the top of my neck and like the top of my shoulders is really sensitive. So if I'm kissing someone, you know, or they're kissing my neck and that's going to get me in the mood. So, mm -hmm. and it's something that I feel confident in saying to someone now that I like that, but maybe like what, eight, nine years ago, I never would have done that. I would have just Same. gone along, gone along with the, the, like gone along for it for the sake of it. And then I'm like, why am I doing that? Because I'm not benefiting out of this. You're probably not either. And we're not learning anything here either. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. And I love that you said that because a lot of people have been complicit to mediocre sex. Mm. And, this, and the first step is to say, yes, I was there, but no more. Yeah. Right. The first step, the first step is to say like, there is, you know, something to be improved. If you're still in denial, which a lot of people are, because when I talk to them, they get super defensive. They're like, our sex life is fine. I'm like, girl, it's not because your husband's here in my coaching session saying it's not. So people want to be in denial because again, it's societal mm. expectations for your marriage to be perfect. Perfect. looks different to everybody. It's not linear. So different. Know? so different for everybody yeah so I would say number one is knowing that there's always room for improvement mm -hmm. and you don't need to deny and try to defend yourself that your sex life is good you know it's okay like it's okay to say there's room for improvement for sure uh, yeah I and I love agree. I love the neck part and the touching because a lot of straight men uh watch porn and that's where they learn sex ed and in porn, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of sensual touching prior to penetration. Mm. So when you hook up with guys, and I think this goes with every culture, uh, they will try to rush to penetration. Yes, like all as the soon time. as they get an erection, yeah, time. as soon as they get an erection, they want to get in, mm. right? Yeah, so that's, that's exactly yeah, that's and, for, no. and for women, like you know, any woman listening to this will know that it's not as easy for us to get in the mood if you know we're say we've gone from kissing straight to penetration like where's the build-up because a guy can probably come much easier than a woman can you know we need that like clitoral stimulation etc cetera, etc cetera. if we're not having that then you know they're getting their end away but then what are we getting out of the end of it out, literally out of the end of it nothing um, nothing and then we end up feeling like shitty afterwards because actually mm -hmm. We've had sex with this person, but are we really feeling any sort of like intimate connection? Probably not. Exactly. And like you wonder, like these, some of these guys wonder why you don't want to have sex with them again. Uh, obviously, it wasn't satisfying. Like if it was satisfying and amazing, you don't think we want to do it? Yeah. Women exactly. are sexual. 
We yeah. are. We are. <laughs> Deep down, even if we hide it, there is a right. sexual prowess living inside all of us. Girl, when I was single, I masturbated every day. So, I love, that. I love that. yeah. So it's like women are sexual. We just like don't want mediocre sex because it's a lot of effort and for nothing because we don't get satisfied sexual interaction. Mm. So if you ever wonder why she doesn't want to have sex with you again, just know that it wasn't good the first time. Yeah, I yeah, I t- I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Right, I need to think of my other three. Yes. Sexual things. Okay. So can I suggest some to see if I can? Yeah, go. Yes, please go for it. Uh, What about someone that goes down on you? Do you like that? Yes. Yes. Who doesn't (laughs) like that? Some don't. Oh my God. I mean, I've personally never met someone that didn't. Um, It's, I probably prefer that to penetration actually, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Or like Mm -hmm. that first, because I've, I've never had an orgasm through sex ever so like vaginal orgasm yeah like never had a vaginal orgasm I can't even like if I'm having sex with someone I just physically can't I can never get there um whereas if like someone's going down on me first and then I can like come that way then we have penetration it feels better and then I feel more relaxed and then I can kind of like stay in the mood otherwise I'm having sex you know they've kissed me and then they're trying to penetrate me straight away we're having sex and I'm like thinking about what color to paint my nails tomorrow and then they wonder why you're not wet yet because you're not doing anything to make you (laughs) (laughs) right just yeah if they're just kissing and then they like lift up your skirt and like try to get in immediately then that's such a big turn off for me unless there's like unless there's teasing the whole day already I think so many people play it in like a vanilla sort of way where they kind of like you know they have the standard sex we'll have sex in bed and that's the only place that we will have sex we won't have sex in the kitchen we won't have sex in the living room it has to be very standard and when I'm in the mood or when you're in the mood so it's not like I mean that's where it can get boring you know and then that's when you're staying with someone you're with a partner for what like three or four years and then by the end of it you're just not sexually satisfied and then you see like one or the other ends up looking elsewhere because they're not feeling that satisfaction so the whole point is like and the whole point of this podcast is like how to try and keep people um, having that spark alive in their relationships so that they can have happy long-lasting fulfilling relationships but also become sexually empowered become sexually confident and build their sexual self-esteem which is something that you touched on in your TED talk which I absolutely loved and I was wondering if you could like just tell us a little bit more about um, sexual self-esteem and how to build that up over time. Yes. So sexual self-esteem is your internal feeling about your sexual self. Uh, Sexual confidence is the external projection of how you show up in places. Mm. So you may see someone who is sexually confident, right? Uh, But perhaps they're faking it because they don't truly feel good about themselves inside. So sexual self-esteem is a much more stable concept that Mm -hmm. you should try to develop to have high sexual self-esteem. Now, what does that mean? Like how you feel about your sexual self? Well, here are a couple of questions for you to assess uh, your sexual self-esteem level. Number one, do you feel like you're worthy of pleasure? Mm. Right? And like, is that true? Like, do you actually enact that? Uh, If you know you're worthy of pleasure, you will not accept 
the kind of sex that's mediocre, the kind of sex that doesn't prioritize female sexual pleasure. Uh, you won't fake an orgasm because that's not honoring your own pleasure uh, and only being a people pleaser and honoring the partner's pleasure. Statistically, like 90% of women have faked an orgasm once in their life. That does not so, surprise me. So it's like almost every woman has faked once in their life. And I'm a part of that. And I know how that feels because afterwards, like sometimes I will have sex. And this is in the past. Sometimes I'll have sex. And then after my partner orgasm and like goes to the bathroom, I will like use a vibrator afterwards to like come to make myself come. And it's no, it's like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. And after studying sexual self-esteem, I learned that, oh, I had low sexual self-esteem. What would you classify as low sexual self-esteem? Um, not, not prioritizing your own pleasure, mm-hmm. not feeling confident and comfortable enough to communicate your desires and things that you want in a sexual relationship, mm-hmm. uh, not being able to feel good in your body and confident in your body I would say these are like the trifecta Mm. of sexual self-esteem so I had all of that like I had I did not feel confident in my body I a lot of times did not feel sexy in my own body at all back in the days I faked a bunch of orgasms so I did not prioritize my pleasure I did not tell my partner that I wasn't sexually happy so I was not doing any of that and so I knew Uh, After I read that research, I'm like, holy fuck, I have low sexual Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-esteem. And what can I do? So I went on this journey. It's a long journey. I mean, this was back like six years ago uh, of figuring out how do I best improve myself and also attract the kind of people that I want in my life. Yeah. And and, uh, that went, you know, that going back to sexual self-esteem and that research, it shows that one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to reaffirm yourself often, right? And how do you reaffirm yourself? You can do it in many ways. You can like look at yourself in the mirror and say positive sexual affirmations. You can journal every morning and say one sexual thing about yourself along with the other things that you already do in your journaling practice, right? Mm -hmm. If you do a thankful journal, you can think you can be thankful for a situation you're in, thankful for someone you're uh, that's in your life, and then you can be thankful of your sexuality. It will feel edgy and uncomfortable, but if you keep doing it, you start believing in it. And a lot of research in positive psychology shows how effective journaling is. I mean, you're the dating diary. So yeah, I'm not a, I'm not hard selling you to journal. Like you're you already journal. So journaling is a huge you know, effective method in growing, increasing your sexual self-esteem. Another thing that not a lot of people talk about, but a few experts, leading experts in the field uh, have talked about is sexual meditation. One of them is Dr. Lori Brado. She has a whole like a sexual wellness lab in Canada and she mainly studies sexual meditation or in her words, it's mindfulness-based intervention for sexual wellness which is sexual meditation. She has women come to the lab. Uh, They go through this intervention, which is uh, breathe mindfulness practices. And it's meditation that focus on like sexual sensations, sexual thoughts and feelings. And she found that 
I mean, it's, it's astounding. She found that the women in the experiment, and one of her experiments was like women that were cancer survivors. And what she found is afterwards, they felt significantly more sexual. Their sexual arousal and desire increased. So like, being someone who is obviously a research nerd, reading that research, mm-hmm. I'm like, fuck, how come we don't talk about this more? How yeah. come this is not on mainstream media? I'm totally with you on that. I am, I'm a science person. Like I'm all about the research. And even though I've not practiced like sexual meditation or like any sort of um, affirmation journaling where, you know, I'm doing it in a sexual way, but I know about the benefits of meditation and of journaling because they work you know I can speak for myself because I've done it for so many years but also on behalf of my clients who I've coached for years and they have noticed the benefits even the ones who were reluctant to start it in the beginning when they've carried on and they've been consistent with it over time you know being gratitude showing up for yourself every day being your authentic self it has an impact and when you're writing that down and you're actually practicing it you're becoming so attuned to yourself that if you get to know yourself inside out, physically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a better position to then give love, receive love. 100%. And the fact that this is not taught in schools and mainstream media, it just goes to show like, People in power are the people with money and they want you to get hooked on certain prescription medication and they yeah. want to sell you more stuff. When in fact, mindful practices like journaling about anything um, positive and you know personal growth, uh, as well as meditation and then just like yoga, eating healthy, drinking a lot of water, things like this truly truly work are the most effective things way more than pharmaceutical drugs but there's no money in it because it's just self-practice so like yeah so you don't see ads about it people don't talk about it as much because Um, we're we're brainwashed in a way we're brainwashed Mm -hmm. because we're constantly in the cycle of being surrounded by mainstream media on -hmm. our phones on our laptops on our televisions on billboards it's everywhere you cannot escape it so it's so difficult for people, you know, that go about their day-to-day lives not knowing what else to do, which is why these kind of platforms are so important because, you know, we can reach people that we that might not necessarily have even seen it. Like even wow. through, for example, just on my Instagram page, when you'd reposted that story about me um, interviewing you for the podcast, you know, I had a couple of DMs. I had people asking questions. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like if we didn't set this up, you know, those people might never have seen this. And I know that they'll be listening to this and thinking, oh, my God, that's great. Like, I never knew that. I'm really glad that I've, I've learned that now. So you think even if you're helping one person, you've done your job. 100%. I completely agree. I always think that, too. Like, even if I help one person to become more sexually liberated and confident and have a great sex life, like I've done my job. 100%. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And on the subject of Instagram, we did have, we had a lot of questions. Um, so I had to pick out the ones that were probably more aimed around sex. So Let's do it. interesting question. With sex, how long does it normally last? Yeah, research shows that uh, women can have an orgasm with 
penetration. I mean, given that there was a long foreplay, right? We mm. already established how important that is. Like yeah. a long foreplay, clitoral stimulation, all of that needs to happen. Anyone who's uh, listening right now, foreplay is yeah. important. Remember that. <laughs> the most important, like more important than the penetration part. <laughs> so foreplay and clitoral clitoral stimulation is the most important but in terms of how long should penetration last uh, research shows that women prefer about seven to 15 minutes interesting so when like I see young boys usually they're young boys asking me how do I last for an hour I'm an like hour? why do you want to last oh for my an god hour? I would not want to be I wouldn't want to be having sex for a whole hour no that sounds like it hurts yeah I agree I completely agree yeah I think it's misguided based on porn yeah yeah because you know porn is there's a lot of editing uh there's and- a lot of editing you know the guys expect us to be as flexible as like a barbie doll it's not gonna yeah. happen these limbs only move a certain way <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah the realistic thing is seven to 15 minute penetration but again it's not just about penetration it's about the foreplay and clitoral mm-hmm. stimulation if you really want to please a woman please her clitoris yeah yes yes and I had a question for you actually what is sex to you like what does sex mean to you Ooh. Wow, I feel like no one has ever asked me this question before. First time for everything. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I have a debut. Um, sex to me is pleasure and connection. And it can be through any type of sexually intimate activities. Hmm. So if my partner and I want to get kinky on power play and have someone get down on the knees and eat the other person out, like that's sex without any penetration. Mm. Uh, if we want to do a little butthole massage <laughs> for butthole each other, massage. yeah, a little butthole <laughs> massage for each other and that's it, that is sexual intimacy. If we want to do a lot of kissing and grabbing and, you know, I uh, like grab his head and play with his hair and he grabbed my breast or my and like my neck and that's it for the night, that's sexual intimacy. So to me, sex has a lot more variety than penetration. Penetration is literally just one in 100 things. I yeah. think that is an excellent explanation. I like that. <laughs> we like it a lot. So my next question for you is, what happens if your partner is struggling to get hard? How do you manage sex? Mm, Number one, don't ever say what's wrong. That's very Mm. triggering for men. Uh, When you ask what's wrong, again, we already know this. Men's ego is attached to their penis. For sure. (laughs) It's very fragile. (laughs) And whenever there is an erection issue or premature ejaculation issue, it's it, their ego is very fragile and the way they feel about themselves and their masculinity can be like crumbling. So I would say saying what's wrong is extremely triggering. So don't say what's wrong. Instead, says, uh, hey, uh, come kiss me or like focus on other things like, hey, babe, can you go down on me mm-hmm. uh, or try like something new Something new that I sometimes do with my partner is watch porn together. Nice. That's a good way to turn you both on. Yeah, watch something pretty kinky that we like don't do in real life. I would say if it's a persistent issue, uh, I would recommend the person to find 
uh, supplements or different things that will help him have a healthy erection. And I'm not saying Viagra because yeah. by now you already know I'm not a huge fan of pharmaceutical like drugs. Yeah. But yeah. there are supplements with empirical research evidence that help regulate blood flow that goes to the dick. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Certain types of of supplements or roots help mm-hmm. with regulating the blood flow to go to the penis. There's also natural foods that help it. Celery is number one. Beets is number two. So like make him celery and beets like salad for the morning. Like as, have as a nutritionist, as a yeah. nutritionist, I did not know this is new information for me. Celery there you go. There we go. <laughs> Celery and beets. And uh, yeah, some supplements that research show uh, improvement in erection health is uh, maca roots and ashwagandha. And there's a couple of new studies on shilajit, but I don't fully endorse it yet. Mm. Yeah, but maca, there's there's a lot of studies by now because this this is not new. It's like five years ago. Uh, Yeah. And there are some supplements companies out there that are doing really good job. I'm not going to mention any of them here, but you can do your own research and pick the one that you like. But yeah, as a girl who's in a relationship with a guy struggling with erections, it is it is like walking on eggshells. So I first want to extend, <laughs> you know, kindness to you for like even asking this, like you're a great girlfriend. You know, a lot of women would be pretty annoyed. That, and that's it, isn't it? It's like that, well, what have I done wrong? Is it me? Because I think that we kind of tend to go inwards, don't we? Mm-hmm. If someone's not getting hard, we think that we're doing something wrong or, you know. Like we're not, not sexy. sexy. Yeah. That right. To us, um, when actually, if you think about the deeper issue, there could be something else going on there. So it's, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's nice that the, um, the girl who's asked cares enough to ask. Yeah, that's really sweet. But yeah, in terms of communication, just try not to say like the word "what's wrong." Mm. Uh, nothing's wrong. <laughs> then, it, then, it, then it definitely will not be getting hard. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, direct him to l- focus less on the flaccid dick and focus more on you and giving yeah. you pleasure because that empowerment of him giving you pleasure like maybe licking your pussy or grabbing your breast or do other things will give him more time to like recuperate the erection and maybe it will turn him on and he will think less about the flaccid dick I think that's a great explanation and I hope that helps the listener as well um you've given some great tips there and I'm, I'm learning some new stuff today as well which always helps so my next question for you is how do you be confident in sex the first time that you have sex? Great question. And there is, there's not a realistic answer to this, except to say you will be nervous the first time. Just like first time of everything. Imagine going skiing the first time, right? Having to like get off that lift and then come down a big mountain by yourself. Like, it's the same thing. Or imagine going scuba diving for the first time. There's a lot of like nervousness uh, in first time of everything. So don't stigmatize it with like sex for the first time gives me nervousness. Like nah, everything for the first time gives you nervousness and that's okay. You're okay. Yeah. I would say that to prep yourself the best 
is to educate yourself the most because people become more confident with knowledge. Yeah, knowledge is power. So, knowledge is power. So listen to this episode. Uh, do some of the things that we talked about: journaling, med- sexual meditation. I have a free one on YouTube if you guys want to try it. And then try read up and watch like educational porn. So I didn't know educational porn exists till like three years ago. I was literally just about to say educational porn exists. Yeah, it's super cool. So it's these people that are porn actors, but they want to focus more on education rather than performing. They just go sit down naked and they're like, "Hey, our name is this and this, and we're here to show you how to finger a girl." Oh my god! <laughs> and they just like her legs open, and they just go like, "Well, first massage her body." Then like prep your finger like this and try with lube. If you're, you know, make sure you cut your finger fingernails. Like it's an it's education. So it's not acting. Mm-hmm. They're just showing how to do something. So educational porn is is huge. And I tell my college students because I teach at a university. Yeah. If you haven't had sex, watch educational porn. Don't Where watch. Where do you find porn. this stuff? There's this stuff is everywhere. There's one like there's Pornhub, XNX, like the regular mainstream mm-hmm. places, or uh, there's a lot of ethical porn websites. If you Google ethical porn, there will be a few very famous ones that come up. Well, uh, I know what I'm doing after I finish recording with you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> go watch educational porn. Uh, my my friends uh, in New York they do their their educational porn actors so they do educational porn and i I find that that. absolutely fascinating isn't it yeah because if you're let's say you're 18 and you're ready to have your sexual debut and you're attracted to your partner and you really want to go for it and you're just super nervous like watch educational porn if you watch regular porn like the mainstream porn you will have a different idea of what actual sex is like i was gonna say you're you're setting yourself up for disaster in a way it is and sadly that was me I watched porn when I was like 13 Mm -hmm. and that's what I thought. Like the women were super skinny. They had huge tits. They were all tan and beautiful. And they just, the guy comes in the room and she, they just open their legs. There's like no foreplay. And I thought that was sex for a long time. And it comes with these learning experiences and also the person that you're with. I think, God, if I think back, I don't know any guys that I dated from like, so I lost my virginity when I was 17. And I actually don't think between 17 to what, like 23, all of those sexual experiences and encounters that I had, I really don't think majority of them were like respectful at all because, you know, I've watched porn, they've watched porn. We've got this perception of how sex should be rather than how it can be. Oh my God, same. So after my sexual debut, like in my teens, I would say up to like, you know, 27 even, I had just okay sex. Mm. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't like I cry having sex afterwards. Like it wasn't terrible. It's just like, it's okay. Yeah, It's okay. But do you want to live like that? No, no, hell no. No. This is why I've got right. you on here. You can teach me, you can teach the listeners how to have an improved sex life. And that leads me very nicely onto my last question for you for today, which is if you had one piece of advice for anyone listening right now who is struggling to spice up their sex life, what would it be? Talk about sex. A lot of couples don't talk about sex. 
they don't. They really don't talk about sex. And if you've been together three, five, ten years, I mean, I've coached lots of couples that have never talked about sex. Wow. Yeah, it's a real thing. <laughs> People don't talk about sex. If you don't talk about it, how can you improve it? So that's a problem. Mm. The problem is if you don't talk about sex, there's no way to improve it. There's no just no ways to spice up the sex life. There's no way to. There's just no other way unless you talk about sex. Sexual communication is not taught, and that's the class that I teach in college. It's not taught anywhere. Not even in sex education. They never taught you, hey, you should communicate about sex. Mm. They taught you about how to wear a condom, but not how to communicate to have a better sex life. Yeah, exactly. So I would say my number one advice is start talking about sex. Do these sexy check-ins, like, hey, babe, from one to ten, how sexually satisfied are you this week? Like that sounds like it's oh, wow, like that's so, like, I, that's tough. Like, I would never be able to say that. No, you can. You totally can. And start yeah. now. Because someone is probably already thinking it in their head, mm-hmm. right? And then mm-hmm. it's, I think it's very different, isn't it? Because we all tend to think about these things and then it's actually vocalizing them can be so difficult, especially if we've not been used to doing that before. And like, if you've got a couple that do not talk about sex, they have sex, but they don't talk about it, but neither of them are satisfied. So that's they the problem. Their communication. They need the communication. So I guess it's like anything, isn't it? The first time, same as like having sex for the first time, you're going to be nervous saying it. But with practice, it becomes easier, I would assume. I, I always say you got to add sexual communication to your relationship repertoire. It should be in your toolkit to easily talk about sex. It shouldn't be something that you're so anxious to share or you're tippy-toeing around like eggshells because you're afraid to offend your partner. If you insert this protocol, which is just casually talking about sex over like coffee, uh, then it won't become a big problem where someone explodes because they have never had great sex with you. I mean, I've seen people in their mid 40s that have been married 20 years and they just admit they have never liked sex with this person. Can you imagine? That makes me feel so sad. True. Yeah, me too. And that's why, you know, as, as mundane as it sounds, the number one advice for everyone on this, on this earth to have a better sex life, you must talk about sex. Yeah. And I think that is the perfect way to end this episode. Dr. Tara, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. I have learned a lot today. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot today. And I just want to say a huge thank you again for, yeah, everything that you've taught us here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me and have an orgasmic day. Always and forever. (laughs) (laughs) If you've enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you could like, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's now available to stream on a number of platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible and Google.